Dear friends in Christ, grace and peace be unto you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Reading again from the Gospel that Melanie just read from, this word. And Jesus, passing along the Sea of Galilee, sees two fishermen and says, Follow me, and I'll show you how to fish for people. And immediately, they leave their nets and follow him. Not to a meeting, not to church, not even to the baptismal font. Just this simple call to follow him, to keep our eyes on him, to be with him, to walk alongside of Jesus, to be part of his life in this world. This is the sort of text we preacher types love. It's a little snippet of a story about the calling of Simon and Andrew and James and John, according to Mark's telling of the story. We love it because it's lean, it's sparse, it has virtually no detail, so that preachers can fill in all the blank spaces. No dramatic coloring, no flair, no narrative. And as you read this account of the calling of those first disciples in the Gospel of Mark, it probably occurred to you that there must be more to the story. And of course, there probably was. Two fishermen, Jesus, follow me, case closed, amen, see you next week. Jesus scores. got to be more to it. Biblical scholars refer to this text as a shining example of a telescoping text. Mark likely telescoped events that had happened over days or perhaps even weeks into a moment. And it's almost as if the teller of the story didn't want us to get hung up in the details, so he just didn't put any details in there. I mean, you can imagine there must have been some give and take, some discussion that had to have occurred between Jesus and each set of recruits, making their case, forming their responses. It could be expected that they had their own internal arguments about whether or not to join this Jesus movement, whether or not to leave everything behind to follow this new rabbi who was in town. No doubt they had their discussion amongst themselves when the time came for a decision about the reasons to go and the reasons to stay. Perhaps there was even some split-second reasoning about the likely cost of leaving behind your family and your business and your reputation. And this is all telescoped down into just a few moments for us in an effort to get us to the heart of the story. And I believe it's simple. The story is told to help us to come to grip with three things. How Jesus often comes to us, and as she said in the children's message, the voice that calls to us, and a little bit about the basics of following. 
It's a cute little Bible story, I know. This idea of fishing for people. Most of us remember it from our childhood. If you had anything to do with a church when you were a little kid, you probably remember this lesson being taught. It's the stuff children's songs are made of. Remember it? I will make you fishers of men, fishers of men, fishers of men. I will make you fishers of men if you follow me. And then we would march, if you follow me, if you follow me. You know, you, some of you remember that. Yeah. <laughs> this story is this lovely story about the gathering up of a cadre of do-gooders who are going to work intensely alongside of Jesus. We're going to learn at His feet, listen to His words, watch His actions. They're going to carry the ball forward when Jesus is gone. It's kind of like Robin Hood and His merry men. But really, folks, in our wildest imaginations, can you see yourself dropping everything and following Jesus? To God knows where and why. On the basis of just this simple invitation, follow me. And then the promise, I'll make you fishers of people. I mean, we are, after all, complex. We are educated, well-heeled people. We're not simpletons. We're religious folks, nonetheless. And we have responsibilities. And this is complicated. What we do is form committees. We have discussions. We have debates. We split into church bodies. We clarify our values and our goals and our vision. We develop strategies. And God knows... I want to have a mission statement before I go anywhere. I'd better call a consultant or a therapist or my mom or dad and some church-wide guru to help me weigh out all the implications of this decision. At the very least, I ought to check with my wife. Now, I'm not sure how it is for you when it comes to the major decisions of life, but we've all made a few, haven't we? Some of us more than others. When it comes to things requiring a major change of life or direction or purpose, I've learned that it's not so much the voice I hear calling is causing my decision as much as it is activating my decision. I mean, usually with major stuff, I'm ready to go. I've got my mind made up. I've thought it through. I've put the good things and the bad things down of this decision. The bow has already been drawn tight. The arrow is set in place. It's been aimed for Lord knows how long. And then I hear this voice and it just makes it possible to let the arrow fly. It's a voice that says, Go ahead. Let it go. 
let it fly. And then off I go with conviction in a new direction. With seldom a look back. For me, it's the relatively minor decisions that I struggle with. That I waver over for a while. Things like, should I buy those plane tickets now? Or maybe I'll wait and see if the prices go down. And they almost never do. Or do we ask the Smiths over tonight? Or the McFarlands? Are we going to take our big vacation in July? Or are we going to take it in September? And we hover. And we mull over it. We discuss it. And ponder it. And sometimes we make a decision. Now, I believe Mark tells this story of the calling of the first disciples of Jesus the way he tells it so that we might, too, just get kind of caught up in the whirlwind of, of the whole thing. Do you feel it, like this urgency? At once, immediately, they leave their nets and they follow him. Immediately, at once, they leave their father and the business, and their families, and they follow Him. Now, maybe it happened that way. Perhaps it's not as impulsive as it all seems. Maybe they'd been ready. Maybe they'd been watching for someone to follow. Maybe they'd been hoping they'd get such a calling. Regardless, off they stumble after a mysteriously charismatic stranger whom they barely knew. (laughs) Imagine that. Now, truth be told, I've been around an awful lot of church folks through my years as a pastor. Lots of disciples, clergy and lay. And I doubt many of us have even thought much about why we said yes to following Jesus. It was probably far less dramatic than the scene in Mark's Gospel today. Maybe it followed a great week at Bible camp, after which you said yes. Or maybe you had some great parents or grandparents who fed and nurtured your faith along the way, and you just found yourself caught up in it. Or you chase some girl or guy into the youth group. And then you just never left. Or you needed or maybe even made some kind of a bargain with God like in an emergency of your life. You said, if you get me out of this, God, I'll follow you forever. So you're sticking with your end of the deal. Or you experienced some kindness or act of mercy and you became curious about this Jesus this voice that seemed to invite and call and challenge you to come along with Him. Or, maybe you haven't said your yes to Jesus yet. To following Jesus. Maybe you're still considering it. Or you haven't heard the voice. Or you haven't recognized it, if you have. Or maybe you heard the call and you said yes and it led you to this place. The neighborhood church. 
or this career, or it led you to this woman, or to this man, to this community. And your response to this called you to open your wallet and your heart to a cause in the most ridiculous and generous of ways. And that you're saying yes to that invitation to follow has taken you right here, right now. I hope you're like me, someone who's still listening for him, for Jesus, I mean. Because for each of us, the reality is that this voice, this call to follow, doesn't happen just once. It happens over and over again, begging for us to respond. And depending on how we respond, it very well may lead us to new places and new faces and new things and new causes. Perhaps it might lead you to a new way of being. And people will ask, what in the world happened to you? So in case you haven't heard these words recently, they're given to us in today's Gospel text. In case you've been more than successful in mistaking these words for a squeaky hinge or a bad day or a midlife crisis or even last night's burrito or maybe it was the dry rattle of yet another endless sermon, let me say them again now. Hear them clearly. Follow Him. I saw this on Craigslist under items for sale. It said this, hot tub for sale, complete with plumbing and gazebo. We'll trade for a pickup. Call after 5 p.m. Now, you don't need a psych degree to recognize there's a life in major transition. Hmm? Away with the hot tub, away with the gold chains, away with the convertible and the martinis and the avocado dip, and hello, baseball cap, Budweiser, flannel shirt, Old Spice, and Chevy half-ton. Life in transition. I knew a doctor. He was a good one. Very renowned in the Bay Area graduate of one of the finest medical schools in the country, tops in his field. He was a world-class surgeon. He came up to me to let me know that he was heading for the Sudan. And I thought, oh, that should be a fun tour. He said, no, not a tour. I signed up for three years. I'm leaving my practice. And I've talked to my wife and my kids, and I've told them what I'm doing. I've just got to do it. I'm giving it all up for three years. A group of medical professions, we're going to head over and take care of refugees there. I asked him why. And I was hoping he wouldn't say because of me. He said he heard a voice. It was more like a whisper. A sense, he said, that that's what God 
and wanted him to do. Now, that was staggering to me when I thought about that. I'm not pushing that. But people of God, the good news for today is this. God loves you. God comes to you. God chooses you. God calls to you. God accepts and saves you just as you are. And we call that grace. And Jesus then offers us an invitation to follow him. In order to do so, we have to keep our eyes on Jesus, our heart open to Jesus, our ears attentive to Jesus, because it's a call. It's an invitation that comes many times to us in this life and in many ways. And as many of you have discovered, and as you can imagine, responding to that call to follow him could change your life. It can rock your world. It can touch this world for the cause of Christ. Because following, after all, is a matter of the heart. It is a matter of the mind. It's a matter of the will. But ultimately, it's a matter of the feet. And only the feet finally tell. Amen. Glory be to you, Heavenly Father, through Christ our Lord, who with the Holy Spirit reigns eternally one God, now and forever. Amen.